Music, industry talk, stories, equipment and more. We are Crossfader and this is Off 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 Off, off the Record. Off the Record. Off the Record. Welcome back to Off the Record, the DJ podcast with me, Jamie Hartley. We've got two of the team members here, as usual, Danny James and DJ Holland. Yo. Danny. Hey, if he gets to talk. He always forgets to talk. I always in forget. Intro. I'm just um, We are live in Amsterdam still. So this, if you listen to last week's podcast, we had Mojax on as a guest. This week, we've got none other than DJ TLM. So we managed to link up with TLM while we've been in uh, Amsterdam at ADE, Amsterdam Dance Event. And it's the first time we've linked up face-to-face. Um, I'll let TLM tell you way more about him, but it's really nice seeing face-to-face. He's someone that, I've, you know, he started on YouTube way before we did. Um, and it's someone that I've watched on YouTube before I even made a YouTube video. So it's, it's one of those things. It's really nice to meet face to face and we're going to get deep into it here and find out a bit more about his story and his tips for anyone listening. So TLM, do you want to take it away? Tell us, you know, a bit of background on you and how you started as a DJ. 100%. First off, thanks for having me. No, it's our pleasure. Your time, huh? And welcome to my city. Yeah. Let me just yes. add that. What a beautiful city. It's my new yes. favorite place in the world. Yeah. So I'm feeling super comfortable right now at nice. home. That's the fun part about ADE. You got people from all over the world. They all come flying to you. in from all over. Yep. And I can basically just step out the door and I'm at ADE. So nice. yeah, man. Have you are you are you you know, have you lived here all your life? Or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Born nice. and raised in Amsterdam and actually uh raised not that far from where we're sitting right now. It's probably like uh, a 15 minute walk from my entire youth. So, nice. oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, my entire childhood was like very close by. Tell us more about that childhood. Did DJ would did DJ play any part in the childhood or did it come later? No, that came pretty early. I mean, I was introduced to DJing through hip hop. Right? Yep. First off, and I think I was introduced to hip hop around I don't know 10 eight or 10 years old. I think it was eight when I first saw, I saw the video for Hey You by the Rocksteady crew. Okay. And that video included like b-boying and, and, and DJing in there. And that caught my eye like, hey, what is this? Yeah. yeah. This looks very interesting. And soon after that, I was outside in front of my house, breakdancing on the cardboard box, <laughs> taking the stereo from inside to outside to replicate like a boom box. Yeah, yeah. And um, I wanted to DJ. I didn't know at that time, but at that time when you bought music, you bought it on vinyl. Yeah. And we had like our stereo set in the house had like the vinyl player on top. You had like your cassette. Like stuff. You had the radio tuner in the yeah, middle. Yeah. yeah. And you had your turntable yeah. on top. So when you bought music, you bought vinyl. Yeah. So it didn't take long for me to try to experiment with that. Can you remember the first record you bought? Wow. I think it was a compilation, some sort of European hip-hop compilation. Uh, you had all sorts of compilation, like uh, whatever rap volume. Yeah. That's, that's what, that was me as well, even yeah. so many years later. you know, I will have started way later than you did, but um, that was me as well. You know, First piece of vinyl, you thought, well, if I get compilations, at least I can mix you know, all these different songs back and forth. Yeah. Um, rather than just having like, two singles and that, you stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. So that was it for me. And I remember just at a certain point connecting like my stereo set and the stereo set from the living room. And that way I could like hear two pieces of vinyl oh, wow. at the same time. So you had no pitch, but even then I was like, oh, wait a minute, I can 
I had like something with an acapella on there and I could play it over the other instrumental. Nice. So you were like already creating mashups. So that was like a mashup and I was like, okay, I really like what's going on here. Uh, scratching didn't really come into play yet because if you try to scratch with one of those players, you would like totally wreck the yep, needle, yep. the vinyl and everything. But I don't know. It just started at an early age. It just really appealed just to me, everything about hip hop and especially DJing and scratching. So moving forward then, what, what would you consider was your first piece of, of, of real DJ equipment and when did it really turn into a passion and, and the driving force and moving forward? I started with a set. It was a Technic set, but definitely not the, the 1200s. This was like a 3210 or something like that. They were like belt drive turntables, not even with a pitch slider, but with a little knob on the side. You had to, like a wheel, so the yeah. pitch wheel, like a short mm. wheel. Yep. And if you wanted to get it back to zero, you had to look at the light on the side and the lights would be moving in different directions. And once they were like stable and in sync, that meant you were playing at zero again. Yeah, so the like, strobe light. The, the strobe, strobe light, light. Yeah. you had to use that. That's still on your modern pitch. day turntables, just no one yeah. realizes what no. it's for anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that was the first set with like a small Alecto mixer with no crossfader, no EQ. Um, that was the first set. And I was nice, perfectly nice. fine with that because I got to mix records and I got to practice scratching and... I was fine with that for at least, I think, a year or two before I moved on to the, the 1200s. Nice. Um, while we're talking about entry-level DJ equipment, that was your entry-level. But yeah. then coming to modern day, you know, obviously you're someone who does get to play on quite a bit of equipment. And, you, you know, you, you test out controllers, you test out all sorts of different, you know, things that are available in the industry now yeah. um, for YouTube, but also for yourself and, and what have you. So how do you think that compares what you started with to what someone has available to them nowadays, do you think it's a good thing the way that the technology is adapting? Do you think there are things that make that kind of you know tarnish the way that people maybe learn? You know things like beat matching and stuff like that. You know, with the new pieces of equipment, mm. is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What are your thoughts on it? To be honest, I think it's incredible. Yep. I mean, like it's like such a low threshold to get into DJing and not professional yep. DJing, but just to be able to DJ at home. Yeah, you can buy a cheap controller, there's access to music in all different type of ways, but definitely easier than it was. Yep. And you can get started. So for me, that's a great thing because it allows more people to experience DJing and, and try it out. Have you got a favorite piece of modern day beginner DJ equipment? Obviously we're talking, you know, the lower end of the budget here. Yeah. Is there anything at the moment that you're currently like, you know what, that is what I would recommend to the, the next beginner DJ? I'd have to see. It's been a while since I really tested like the the most entry level controllers. I remember for a long time like the the SB and like a Mixtrack Pro. I think three were like really yep. good entry level controllers. The SB is at three, I think yep. already SB3, now. Yep. I don't even know uh, it's Mixtrack Mixtrack Platinum. I think it's called. Now. Yeah, they yeah. change names. Basically, it's always going to be those type of controllers that seem to work well and they, yep. they add a lot more features to entry-level controllers compared yeah, to yeah, like yeah. entry-level controllers a couple of years ago. It's cool because you can you can get something so cheap now that you yep. can learn all the basics, but you can take it way beyond that. You can do way more oh, now yeah. on a little tiny controller that you could with two turntables. 100%. You know, so it, it unlocks that creativity right from the start as well. So yeah, we're a big fan of obviously all the new controllers coming through as well. I love the technology. Well. I love the developments. And I mean, yes, you will have people, especially DJs from uh, my generation, even a little bit older, who don't like the fact that it is so accessible now. Yeah. Because they or we had to 
put in so much more work to build the collection yeah. and blah, blah, blah. I get it. But at the same time, that is what happens. I mean, there, there's going to be developments and things will change. Yep. And like I said, I prefer the fact that we have it the way we have it now. But I guess we do appreciate it more than like the new generation because they don't yep. know how it was before. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that they can spend like the amount of money I had to spend to buy one or two records, they can spend that a month and have unlimited access to music through DJ pools. Yeah, it's crazy. I would be the happiest kid on earth if I could grow up now and just have access to a controller way earlier and start playing way earlier than I got to play. So, yeah. Amazing. So going back to your story, you know, you, um, how did you then transition from it being this love and a passion for, you know, just mixing music to then doing it, you know, as a job or, you know, working in the industry? Where was that transition and how did it happen? It basically happened gradually. It wasn't a plan. That's the thing for me. It was never like a plan. Even when I was DJing at home for quite some time, yeah. it still wasn't like a dream like, oh, I want to start doing this in clubs. That basically just happened. So after I played at home, I basically started to do some small parties. So like birthday parties yep. with friends, we would just bring my equipment. Yeah. I would be on the back of like a scooter with uh, um, like motorized scooter, not the, what the Americans call a scooter, yeah. but like uh, our mopeds uh, uh, with like uh, a mixer in between our legs and, and bags of vinyl on the back. And we would go over to a house, build up the set, play for our friends. And after that, I started to do parties at a youth center. Um, and that just, it grew from there. I started to do mixtapes at home because I just liked to record mixtapes, but I started to use them also as like a tool to let people hear what I, what I do. Yeah. That turned into more gigs. And at a certain point, I just started to see like, okay, I can, I can basically start to do this all the time. Nice. Do you remember, were you of age? Do you remember your first club gigs? I'm guessing were they in this city? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Um, can you remember those first club gigs, how you felt at that time? You know, was it something you were just super excited about? Were you nervous about it? You know, mm, I don't know. On, the, on one side, you do feel a bit nervous when you first start out because you're still thinking too much. Yeah. So you're thinking about the techniques. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it takes you too long and you're almost at the end of the record and you still haven't done your transition. Yeah. So those are the things you're worrying about. Uh, and you don't worry about that stuff at home. So at home, everything's perfectly fine. Once you get in a situation where there's people in front of you, you do start to feel things that you didn't feel before. And you basically start to overthink. Yep. But that's basically the only thing. I wasn't like worried before I started. But once I started, then your brain kind of starts to mess, you, mess with you a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's it. I don't really get too nervous. So that never happened. And I was basically so happy to just hear the tunes I like through speakers. That, yeah. that takes away all the nerves. You get to play it loud. And if you get like one or two people like reacting like, ah, you're like, okay, this is, this is amazing. Nice. I think any of us that have played in a club remembers that feeling of the reaction. You know, yeah. you're generating that reaction and that is one of the best feelings in the world, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's what we keep striving towards doing with our crowds. So, exactly. um, it I think like it's the a, first time every time as well, doesn't it? When you get a really good reaction, it's like, it's yeah. like a, yeah. oh. So it never wears off. Never wears yeah. off. You never get tired yeah. of that high. It's amazing. Yeah, at the same time, you feel a connection with people too because yeah. it's, it's, like, mm. it's like my favorite records. Yeah, yeah. And you get that reaction, so you're like, Oh, you like that too? And all of a sudden you have that connection together. Oh, wait, what yeah. I get what, what I got for you next? And you put that next record on, you get the same reaction, and all of a sudden it's like yeah. you're building something amazing together. 
So what's the next step in the story then? So you're working, you know, you're getting your first gigs in clubs. Yeah. Where does it go from there? You know, wh where does your DJ career take you next? Well, the funny thing is I basically went through all the steps or I, I, I traveled different uh, roads of DJing simultaneously. So I was a mixtape DJ. I was like playing in clubs. And around the same time, I also connected with an MC uh, Dutch MC who moved to Amsterdam at that time. I met him at a record store where he was doing like a crazy freestyle. So I came in and this dude was freestyling about all the album sleeves on the wall. Just looking around, just grabbing titles and rapping about the titles. Whoa. And at that same time, I was basically organizing uh, jam sessions at my house. So I was inviting my friends and anyone who came had to either spin or rap it's so, really interesting because this is similar to me as well so i but in a different scene so i started off with grime music which is a yeah. big thing in the uk it, it's big again now but uh, 10 15 years ago it was big it was big yeah. and i was yeah. the same thing i used to have a load of people in my bedroom you know i was living at home at the time a load of people emceeing and i'm spinning a load of grime instrumentals they're all emceeing over the top of it so it's yeah. a similar thing just another generation same here. forward or whatever so i was still at home as well and it happened because we we're having trouble getting into clubs. Yeah? Yeah. So partially just um, just racial issues. Yeah, yeah. You know, not getting in. You wanted to go out. We came dressed for the part and everything yeah. and still not getting in. And at a certain point, you're like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, it's not worth it. No, it's not worth it. We're going to have our own fun. Yeah. So that's why it actually started. And it was more fun. So we were having crazy freestyle sessions, people scratching, you name it. So I met that one MC at the record store and I just invited him. Like I told him, like, hey, we're having these sessions. You need to come over. So he came over that one time and it just immediately clicked. And I've been his tour DJ for the last 21 years. Wow. And that's like one of the biggest Jeez. MCs out here in, in the Netherlands, like multi-platinum. Props to him as well for Albums. still being around 21 yes. years later as well, yes. you know. Still Huge. consistently uh, dropping music still. So shout out Brainpower. That's my guy. Still making music, Dutch and uh, English as well. Nice. Did a track last year that was on the soundtrack or in the movie Equalizer 2. Um, and, and doing loads of different stuff. Also songwriting, you name it. But nice. I was DJing in clubs. I started to DJ for him. And like that started to grow because he had like some major, major hits. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden, besides clubbing, you're also doing entire tours with him, sometimes with a full band. We've done over 3,500 live shows in the last 21 years. So wow. that's taken up a big portion. And I was doing like live shows with him. And after that, jumping in a car to do a club gig later on in that night. Yeah. So it just, at did, the same time, it, it built up and grew and blew up. Did that take you around the world? Did it, was it a more local thing? Like, did it give you some experiences that are totally different to the, the you know, the club? sets that you were doing mostly local because his major fame was uh, dutch speaking rap yeah so that brought us well, of course here netherlands then you can go to belgium like yeah. big yeah. parts of belgium where they speak flemish they that's like dutch so they understand then you have the dutch caribbean where you can do shows as well they also understand dutch uh, the dutch language but he also had english tracks so at the beginning we also did shows we did shows in philly we did shows in poland france uh germany so we did get to go, I did get to see like parts of the world as well. Yes. So nice. yeah, definitely. But I'm not one of the DJs who's done a lot of like 
club shows all over. Yeah, yeah. But I've been around more with him doing shows. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I still got to experience that. So would you say your like, your club gigs, it's like residency gigs that are, you know, located here in your hometown? Is it, are you still doing to this day gigs that you've been doing for the last few years or is it a case of you doing guest spots more now it's it's more guests i mean i've had a lot of residencies in just the entire netherlands yeah like definitely in amsterdam but also some of the other big cities like like utrecht rotterdam you name it and now for the last couple of years it's basically just uh just like single bookings or something that i wouldn't call a residency but maybe spots where you go like once or twice a year yeah so you do get booked yeah, time, but it is. I wouldn't call yeah, it yeah, like yeah. a residency, yearly residency. Yeah, but you've got that contact there, and that con, you know, and yeah. and yeah, you get that repeat booking. Um, so how did that then move into you doing things on YouTube? Where did YouTube come in, and you know, creating a channel on YouTube? How did that start? What made you think, you know, what I'm gonna I'm gonna start putting some stuff on YouTube? I'm thinking about the year because the channel I have now is not my first channel. The first channel was just DJ TLM, and that was me switching from using mixtapes as promotional material to let me do this in video format because I want people to see what I'm doing because I was always incorporating turntablism. Yeah. And I just realized a lot of people, when they hear a mixtape, they don't quite understand what's happening when you do like a short B-juggle yeah. or even a scratch. So I wanted them to have the visuals as well. Yeah. So they can hear my mix, but now they can also see me doing it. So that's why I started to use YouTube. I was like, okay, this could be a perfect tool to show. And it was your it was, it was your personal outlet for like promotion, yeah. really. Personally, yeah. Yeah, just just a promotion tool. Uh, that didn't work out too well. I mean, in the beginning it was okay, and then I just started to get hit with the copyright issues and yeah. and and like videos getting muted, deleted. So I realized, like, okay, I can't continue to use YouTube in this way. Yep. But I did have like a plan, a passion that I wanted to build some sort of DJ community. Yep. At first, I wanted it to be like a website, but I wanted the website to include also like educational stuff and to build maybe a network and have DJs have their own profile and they could get booked through it. And I'm glad I didn't do all of that because that's so much work, so many headaches. Yeah, but yeah. It was an initial plan. Yeah. Because prior to that, I had a urban community website here in the Netherlands with two other DJs or one other DJ. And that was really working. We really started to build like a community slash yeah, yeah. fan base so I wanted to do that but really specifically for DJs mm. and I ended up just choosing to start with the video part of it yeah and at the end of the day I left the rest out and just stuck to yeah. the video part cool because I'm still solo with it so if you want to run a website a community website <laughs> I s no, no yeah you need more <laughs> than just yourself yeah. Yeah. definitely and it, yes it can be a very big headache um this is prime prime time to talk about social media since we're talking about YouTube, but obviously social media in general. And we like to kind of ask all the guests, you know, past and future guests that are going to be coming on because it's a big part of a DJ's sort of, you know, who they are nowadays is their presence and what they do online and how that affects their bookings and all sorts. So I just want to get, you know, your thoughts on how social media, um, if it's helped you in any way or how you think it could help, um, beginner DJs out there or if you just think we need to stay away from it well staying away from it is like denial that's not that's not gonna cut it I mean yep. there's still people out there who want to try and act like this is something they can deny and that will move past this but that's not gonna happen this is here to stay and it's only gonna get bigger and more so people will have to accept that the internet and social media is part of it so yes there's pros and cons 
I mean, I don't think we, we found the right balance yet. When, when I gave DJs advice, I used to like give them advice like, okay, you build your skill, then you make your promotional mixes so you can promote yourself and you have to go out and network. And some of that still holds up, even though I, I can agree that mixtapes don't have the same effect that they used to have. Yeah. But I still feel a DJ should have like a site where people can actually hear something that they do. Yeah, yeah. But social media just became a bigger part. And for some of us, when you take a look, you might feel that a lot of people are getting gigs through everything else but their actual DJ talent. Yeah. That's what social media can do for people. If you have the right type of following, it can definitely help you to get all sorts of things. Yeah. So talent is taken out of the equation in that way. Yeah. But yes, even if you are a talented DJ, you should still use, utilize social media any way you can. I've used it not for my DJ career, but definitely to connect with people worldwide Yeah. for the educational part. And that works. Yeah. It really works. And in that way, I was able to build like a, a, a following, fan base, community, whatever you want to call it. And all of that has not, not gotten me gigs, but I know you could use social media to get gigs as well. Yeah. You can definitely mm. build up uh, a hype, a persona. Pioneer actually just released like a, a documentary. I saw a part yeah. of it. Uh, I, I'm still yet to watch that yeah. about Insta DJ. Yeah. And I saw a part of it and it also made me realize certain things that I didn't even notice because I'm not at those big events. But I can understand yeah. like for those DJs that they're talking about like people not even enjoying the event because they're standing right in front of a DJ, but they're watching through their the phone phones. instead yeah. of like actually experiencing it. You're there, but you're looking through your phone. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. a bit of a wider problem, more, not even DJ related. No. That's just yeah. social media in general. And I think it is. There's, there's a, that's a bit of the toxic but side of it coming through. Yeah, but I think it's going to balance out. I mean, yeah. it it's got to, because I yeah. think people are going to get wise to it. And suddenly, you of know, course. people are already getting mental health problems from spending too much time on it and all sorts. And it's, you know, all these things are now being realized. And, yeah. You know, is it true that they uh, they already eliminated the likes on Instagram? Yeah, they yeah. were, they I don't, have they rolled it out? They are doing it. I don't know. Yeah, if, they don't said know. it was something. Yeah. yeah, some accounts it's like you can't we'll see the look. number of likes anymore. It's just yeah. a picture, which is the way it should be. Really. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing because you see a lot of people focus on that too much. Even yesterday, like a DJ yeah. coming up to me, like, "Hey, I'm doing this. It's not getting so many views yet." I'm like, "Don't focus on that yeah, too that's much. That's not the important yeah. thing. Don't focus yeah. on that. You start to focus on those things too much." Yeah. But yeah, it is an issue. I mean, people, I mean, we're talking about like chemicals in the brain being activated by yeah. little thumbs on a screen. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I see it all balancing out, but I think I'm level-headed enough to not get caught up in too much, yeah. but I yeah. definitely don't deny the fact that it's there and you can definitely take uh, advantage of it. It has its useful side. Yeah, I think it's a powerful tool. And yeah. You'd be stupid not to use it, but also you can't just rely on it. You know, no. No. Uh, you've got to have... You've got to take tick that list of I've got the skills, I've got the, the things. You know, if you want a long career in the industry, anyway, you could build thing. hype, you could get some big bookings, but it's not going to last because no. people are going to see straight through it. And the last thing you want to do is rock up to a gig. People think you're some big, amazing DJ, and you just yeah, yeah, and and, and that's it, game over. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I always kind of push back to people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, right, let's switch it up. Story time. Yes, yeah, so every week we try and dive into a funny or some an, an interesting story with either the guests or from ourselves. So, TLM, have you got a story lined up for us? I'm still thinking about that. So okay. let me just do something else first because I forgot to say at the beginning of the episode. Yep. 
kudos to you guys for having scratches in that intro. Yeah. Oh. It's oh, actually, Danny. Yeah, Danny. Yeah, yeah we recorded Katie's voice and put yeah, it on Yeah, so Katie's uh, hovering around behind the camera. She's not on the mic, but she's taking a lot of it was like shots a, on socials. It was like a full homemade intro when we did the... So we made the beat and the scratches. Yeah. And then Katie. It's like a little family collaboration. I, it really yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> no, but I love the fact that the scratch is in there. That's something that I... Uh, to me, it is definitely part of the art form of DJing. I'm not saying every DJ should scratch, but no. to me, it is definitely part of the craft. Yeah. And I always love the fact that it's being represented. Yeah. And it's not really a story, but maybe it is. Like, the funny thing is, when it comes to DJing here in the Netherlands, you have a lot of people that know me from like my uh, club career. Yeah. But there's yeah. also a lot of people in the Netherlands who only know me from one scratch break. And that's because the MC I work with, Brainpower, yeah. at a certain point decided to make a track the track is called Dansplat. If you translate that, it would be Dance Song. And he is really a hip-hop head to the fullest. And he told me, look, it's a pretty commercial-sounding song. We didn't know it would be commercial success. Yeah. He wanted me to do scratches in that song. Mm-hmm. And he wanted those scratches to be like right in the middle of the song as like a highlight of the song. Like a guitar solo equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And nice. he had an idea... He's a hip-hop head, like I said, so he already knew he wanted me to do like a transform type scratch, yeah. like a classic uh, 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 type of scratch. So that's exactly what we did. I took a vocal from uh, his backup MC at the time, did the scratch with that, and that became like a, a, like a center part of that song. And even to this day, I run into people, and when they hear my name, yeah. like, TLM, uh, 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 because Brainpower <laughs> says my name right before I get into the break. So the track is playing, yeah. and then he's like, TLM, and then the cuts begin. Nice. So nice. there's a lot of people here who just know me from a scratch break and not even from like the club scene or whatever. That's wow. amazing. Just tell everyone what that track is so they can go and obviously listen to it on, online or on YouTube or wherever. Oh, just check out Brainpower on Spotify. He's there with everything. So his Dutch work is there. His, um, his English work is there. So Dunsplot is one of the tracks, but I've done, I think I've done cuts, scratches on probably like 20 or I don't know, maybe more of his tracks. I've produced a couple of tracks as well. Nice. So uh, plenty of scratches to me. He actually posted today on Instagram, MC Brainpower on Instagram. He posted that it's the 20th anniversary of his first uh, official vinyl release. Wow. That's an English track called The Lyricist. And that track starts out with cuts by me as well. Oh, wow. Nice. Check that out. So that's, that's how nice. we, I was on vinyl doing cuts 20 years ago. I was, <laughs> I was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> it must be nice, though, to think that, you know, your kids and, and in the future, you've got something, you know, physical, that it's a vinyl that's got your work yeah, embedded man. on it. You know, it's, yeah. it's there. It's yeah. a physical thing. It must be a nice feeling. Yeah, they, they grew up with it, though. Like, yeah. especially my oldest, he, he grew up hearing all the songs and and he was DJing like on when he was two years old, he was DJing on my NS7 and and nice. messing around with like our music. So that's, that's a sweet. thing to me. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. I've got I've got a young kid as well that's two at the moment, so it's nice to hear. You know, he's obsessed with all the DJ equipment we've got. Um, Especially turntables, right? Turntables, yeah. I was yeah. telling TLM earlier that he's just he won't touch a controller. I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> he keeps Damaging the needles and, the and snob. yeah, you yeah. just won't touch a controller. It's a full-on purist. Yeah, wow. So, Ezra yeah. does not like controllers. No, <laughs> <laughs> not even, not even 
Rain 12s. No, he tried to put the, the vinyl on the Rain 12s. Like, no, you, you don't get this. That do is you. amazing. So, anyway, right. Let's get back into the chat. So, obviously, we get to touch a lot of DJ equipment and play with a lot of DJ equipment here at Crossfader. Yep. And I know you get to play on quite a bit of DJ equipment as well. You've got a few links in the industry and you get to test out different products. Um, do you have, at the moment, what is your current favorite piece of DJ equipment? And I might have to ask this question again because... Is there anything that you're like, you know what? This is this is me. Man... I mean, honestly, my favorite way to play is still turntables with DVS. So I'll take my turntables and either S9 or the 72. Yep. That's what I just love to play that way. Yep. Any particular turntable? Obviously the 1210, but... Yeah. I mean, they're still what you run into in most clubs anyway. True. So for me, that's still... It works just fine. I mean, I still have my PDX 3000 as well, the Vestax. Yep. Played on those for a long time. I felt the reloops uh, 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 once, and I still want to do a complete test. So shout out to Mojax. He will swear by the reloops. And I think he's right. It's probably one of the best turntables out. The 7,000 Mark II and those 8,000s. I have the VL12s. I definitely like them. I like the the Pioneers, uh, the PLX 1000. Yeah, 1000. Yeah. I got yeah. those. Yeah. You got it. I mean, I, I can work with most turntables anyway, so... And what about the controller side of the industry? Anything out there that's really caught your eye in the uh, last few I like, years? I like playing around with the, the S4 Mark III. All right. Yeah. 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 I mean, because of the moving jog wheels? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the moving jog wheels are the thing that does it for me. It also has like the, the haptic feedback. Yeah. That's, it's a funny gimmick. Yeah. But it's yeah. not, I mean, I have stickers on top of the jog wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not waiting to feel that little bump. Yeah, the bump, yeah. That. I'll rather just have my visual with the stickers but it's a cool little unit I've taken it to some brain power gigs as well where I knew we didn't have a lot of room yeah yeah and I will still prefer that moving platter feel over like the normal uh, normal controllers but when it comes to normal controllers the DDJ 1000 is probably my all time favorite yeah I really love the feel of that I would say you play I'd say from what I've seen a lot more on Serato than other software so obviously DJ 1000 have you Tested it with the 1000 SRT. Have you been using it with Serato yet or yeah. just with the record box one? No, I have the SRT in the studio now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, I'm so that's your go-to. Testing that now. I mean, feeling-wise, it feels the same as the as yeah. the 1000. So yeah, yeah, yeah. feeling for me is the most important thing because, yeah. I mean, feature-wise, they're a little bit different. But for me, it's all about, okay, how does the jog wheel feel and react? How yeah. does that fader feel? So when I first tested that 1000, I was like, okay, this is a lot of fun. I'm really yeah. having fun here. The jog wheels feel really good for a controller. Fader is nice. Yeah. So I was happy. The thing that stood out yeah. for me for the 1000, I really, when I first got my hands on it um, and just lend into the scratch and turntables DJ, just the really nice big bold sticker that's on the screen, you know, suddenly yes. it's like, oh, so I can beat juggle on this controller now. You know, on other controllers, the little entry level ones, when you don't have that visual there, or even if the visual was there, you had this like really wide, not very precise light that went around. True. Suddenly you've got this nice sticker, this line that you can really work with so that that was something that really stood out with me when they brought out the 1000 thought right this is opening it up way more to the turntablist side of the industry um cool so favorite dj software i'm guessing serato yeah serato still i mean i uh, i started out with final scratch i don't know if you've ever no heard about that no 
All right, so Final Scratch was a collaboration between Native Instruments and Stanton. Stanton uh-huh. did the hardware, Native did the software. And okay. they had two versions. The first version was like basically the first DVS that was introduced here in the Netherlands because we could not get Serato in the Netherlands. Right. Why was that? Uh, there's a company out of Amsterdam, some guys out of Amsterdam who had like a time code uh, system. Right. And so I'm it was not, kind of I think they were, Yeah, I think they were also involved with Final Scratch at first. I'm not sure about that, but I know that because of them and yep. like a patent issue, yeah. the Netherlands was the only country in Europe where you could not buy Oh, survival. wow. Wow. So a lot of people- Smuggling it into yeah. the country, like. <laughs> no, so you had a lot of vinyl DJs. Their first introduction to DVS was actually Final Scratch. Okay. But Final Scratch, the first version, didn't work that well. The audio interface was a small circular uh, USB- like audio interface mm. and half the times when you connected it your laptop said you had a USB hub connected instead of an audio interface <laughs> so <laughs> it messed up a lot of DJs and when yeah. a lot of DJs saw that they were like mm, nah okay we're good and that's when the CDJ came in and that's why the CDJs here are probably the biggest thing yeah. everyone's been using that then they came with a second version that had like a firewire audio interface so that worked much firewire. better wow. but then it was too late and yeah. a lot of DJs switched and at a certain point, a friend of mine brought back Serato from the States. Okay. And when I got my hands on that and I saw the entire, like the, the, the interface, it was so much cleaner, more basic because Final Scratch was a lot like Tractor. Right. So very cluttered, a lot of things going on, a lot of yeah. settings. I saw Serato, I was like, okay, this is it. Coming from a turntable background, if you're like more of a turntablist, yeah. I think Serato is what fits best. It resembles yeah. your style of playing the most compared to like Tractor with way too many features and functions that we're probably not using. Yep. And over the years, I've tried Tractor a couple of times, had some bad experiences with it. Like I think if you're using Tractor and it's not native instruments hardware, it's most of the times not working yeah. Yeah. to the <laughs> optimum of its uh, abilities. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, I mess around with Rekordbox DJ, but yep. the go-to is still Serato. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, let's segment again. Okay, so this week's tune from everyone who wants to go first. I'll go. Go on. Uh, mine is by a guy called 1991. He's a drum and bass producer. He's got a new tune out called Full Send. It's like a really like uplifting, energetic. That's a fine nice. year. To yeah. name <laughs> Good year. Um, I, I'm going to go for an old one, um, which is Bonobo and Cirrus. And it was oh, just one of these yeah. things I just heard yeah. it. Like, I heard it recently. I was like, what is this song? What is this song? Yeah. Why do I know it? Um, and it's actually because I, I did this thing for, um, I'd say a few months where I worked with some harpists and we did like this DJ harp collaboration. Um, and it was for this brand who did sort of high end events and they'd have like, you know, I'd, I'd go suited and booted to these events and they're in interesting locations that a harpist playing. And we had to pick certain songs that the harps would be able to play well over the top. Um, so there's lots of things like Bonobo in there and yeah. it was, it was very like yeah. electronic and interesting and the whole conceptual thing. So, nice. but I heard it the other day and I was like, why, why don't know that song? And it Sick. just took me back yeah, to yeah. that time. Time, so yeah, that's my tune of the week. That's a good song. Uh, that's, yeah, I'll yeah, take it. yeah, you took the ring. Uh, for me, it's gonna be YBN Corday, Anderson Park, RPN. Yeah, I love that tune. I'm not. I think J Cole produced it. I'm not totally sure about that, but I just 
Love that track. I've seen him do yeah. it live a couple of times now as well. Nice. Yes. I just love both of them as artists. Cheers. Yeah. Love, love the production of that, that track. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's, I've been playing that. I'm, uh, there's a lot of music I've been playing a lot, but that's definitely one of them. Anderson Pack. Yeah. I'm kicking myself still to this day. I, I wanted to see Anderson Pack for so long. Then he was playing at a festival in our hometown in Leeds, um, at Leeds Festival. And we went, but it was at someone else that works with us at Crossfader, Lawrence. It was his birthday, and we all just absolutely just. We, we got pretty smashed. Oh, no. And I can't remember it. I can't uh, remember seeing him. So we saw, I saw him, him and, and it's, it's in my brain somewhere, but I, I'm one of those one people, the hangovers, it just wipes it'll my memory. Wow. So yeah, I'm still oh, good. one of those that. guys that's like amazing show as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I bet. I have a three second memory of it and we were like <laughs> in the middle of the crowd and it was counting. Well, so there was three drinks seconds, everywhere. <laughs> and literally it's just three seconds of just this whole band Jeez, going crazy. Still and best three seconds of yeah, your life. And that's, yeah. and I just, I'm, it's almost worse because I remember how good it was for those three seconds. I just wanted yeah. to that's remember. That's what you need to remember. That's what you need to remember. Yeah. Uh, my tune of the week, I'm sure I might have said this before, and if I have, I don't care. The vocal is still amazingly good and it's got it all by professor green because i can't get over the vocal yeah. the hook is she is so powerful on that tune and i'm in love it's, give, it. it's, it's got you some some emotion it has almost, almost as much as africa by Toto does yeah uh, you're right it won't go there you're off the podcast now <laughs> done. Bye, guys. you and africa right we're done where are we at? <laughs> Okay, so let's get stuck back in. We've probably got five, ten minutes left, so we want to round it up. But something we'd like to ask all the guests on here, I've got two questions. First one, one piece of advice for a beginner DJ out there. What is your one biggest piece of advice for anyone that's just starting out or you know, hasn't even started out but thinking about becoming a DJ? I think I'd say, do you. And when I say that, I mean is don't listen to what other people say, think, feel. Just go for what you feel, especially in that day and age we live now. Uh, we were just talking about it off cam, um, off uh, off broadcast. Um, off the record. Off the record, basically, yes. <laughs> that there's still like this stigma when it comes to controllers. Yeah, I get a lot of people who ask me questions about they want to start, but people might look at them a certain way if they buy this or that. I'm like, yeah, please do not pay attention to what people say. Yeah. Go for what you feel, and and if you find something that works for you, use that, and and stick with that until you feel that there's that it's time for something new. But not just equipment wise, also what you choose to play. If you feel you only want to play a certain style of music because that's you, do that. Don't feel forced to play everything because other DJs are doing it. Yes, it might affect the amount of gigs you get, yep. but you want to make sure you're happy doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I could play a lot more if I would play mm. more styles or uh, a switch to a style that's popular. Now here, mm. I choose not to because I've done that a couple of times. It did not make me happy. Yeah. And I got really scared that I might lose the love that I have for this. And the reason I got into this is because of the love I have for it. Yeah. Mm. You don't want to lose that so I make sure I definitely stick to what I want to do yeah. and go for my my passion, my feeling. Instead, I got yeah. I got to that point where I, I because it was a full time career for me before before CrossFader, before any of that, you know, I was, yeah. I was a full time DJ. And for it to become a full time gig thing, I had to take gigs pretty much all nights of the week. I was working five, six nights of the week for it to be a full time yeah. occupation. Um but then the downside of that is that for me to get a gig in my hometown on a Wednesday night it's 
it's only going to be like a student night that is maybe yeah. music that I wasn't, I didn't really enjoy playing. Yeah. So then suddenly I, I fell into that position where I was like, well, I'm playing, you know, it's, 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 it's okay money. I do enjoy DJing, but it's, it's becoming very monotonous. I'm starting, starting to pull me down a bit. I'm playing music at certain gigs that I don't like, I, but I've got to keep doing it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I cannot relate at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had the same thing with like corporate gigs at a certain point. I started to do some corporate gigs and like making three, four, five, six, or eight times the money I was doing in the club. Yeah. yeah. But after the gig, I was really like sitting there like, this was not fun at all. I did not like what I just did. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that money is great, but if this is the feeling I have after a gig like this, yeah. yeah. No, that's not worth it for me. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna choose something just for the money and not for the fun, I could have done something else a long time before I started DJing. Yeah, yeah. So I made that conscious decision, and yes, it has its ups, it ups and downs when it comes to uh, uh, your career, the amount of jobs you have. But I know why I picked this road. Yeah, so I'm gonna sure I stick to my own, uh, yeah, my own path and not follow the navigation of chatter out there. Yeah, nice. so that's great advice. So do you? Yeah, that's amazing advice. Um, I don't know if this changes at all or whether it's the same advice, but one piece of advice for an experienced DJ out there, someone who is working out in industry and grafting away, like, have you got any advice for those DJs listening? Partially the same because I know a lot of guys who've been in it for a long time and at a certain point it just become like their own autopilot and it's not really about the fun that they had anymore. They're just yeah. sucked, sucked into a system and now it has become a job. But besides that, that's that's of course one thing. Um, I think it's also a cool thing for established DJs who are now stuck in their ways to also just be open to other things that are going on, especially on the technology side. Yep. I mean, I know plenty of DJs out there who have found something that works for them, especially the CDJ DJs. It's easy. It's convenient. I know I do it for some of my gigs. You just bring your flash drive and your headphones and yeah. you're done. But I do feel like they're kind of missing out on every. Thing that's happening now all the cool developments that allow you to be more creative as a dj as well yeah and yeah, agree, yeah. a lot of the djs out there you just see that they have like that they have so much time in between tracks yeah yeah that could have been used for anything creative or even anything fun for themselves yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and now it's just being spent uh texting and instagramming texting or fake knob Flicking. knob touching like the extras yeah. When it's not because they have to fill the time before yeah, their next yeah, transition, yeah. they could yeah. use that time for something creative. So if yeah. you're already established, you're in a great position to actually represent the the craft and the art form. You got your gig, you got the crowd on the floor. They're not going to enjoy the set less if you use your time for some extra little creative stuff uh, uh, in between all of the mixes. So take advantage of that. I love that piece of advice. That's I mean, great. that's really no, strong. No, definitely. Yeah, um, I. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's one of those things. I remember when I was I was one of those DJs. I was a working club DJ. I was on Serato DVS, but just using DVS with time code CDs, just convenience. Yeah. Um, and when we when I started Crossfade and I started teaching people one to one in a studio, those DJs I had, you know, I taught them on CDJs. We had CDJs in the studio, and I always thought, well, that's the end goal. But as students started bringing in controllers, and I'm like okay, you know, I knew about controllers and I, and I knew how to work my way around them, but I was always teaching people towards that end goal. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I started really playing on controllers that it sparked in my head and I was like, whoa, so I can do so much more creatively exactly. yeah. with this piece of equipment. And it gave me this whole new lease of life around DJing and mixing. Yeah. So and 
Yeah, it's it, all going to change. I mean, you look at the the, the recent releases from Denon, the SC five thousand. They've put the full eight pads in there, and it? the it's the, still that on the prime for the only piece of hardware in the world that can mm. key shift. So, you know, you, there is going to be the next level of DJs who come up on on controllers, and even the most baby controllers can do pretty impressive things now. Yeah. And they're going to go to the club and. Sometime in the near future, I would imagine we will have a club system that has all like this ability. Setup, yeah, 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 all yeah. this ability there for them to 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 express themselves better, and not like you say, just sit around going. Yeah, four minutes on this one, killing time. Let me stand on the table again. Or, yeah, you know, and I mean it's cool the crowd interaction. I'm not definitely. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of the DJs hating on uh, the crowd participation, but. You can just tell that they have too much time on their hands. Yeah. Well, there could be yeah. the, the, the other side to it, where there's no crowd interaction. They've, they've got four minutes, and they're just, <laughs> just, just you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the bar and get a drink, or I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go on my phone and Instagram this set, which is it's all good and well, but like you say, after a while, I think the crowd in most nightclubs should be. You should be the center of attention. They should be looking at you. You should be, yeah, vibing off that creation and, and all of that. Yeah, nice. Well, I think that brings us towards the end. Um, TLM, thank you so much yeah, for coming on thank you for the podcast. Me. You know, it's been a great chat. I've really enjoyed hearing your story. Um, do you want to let the listeners and the viewers know where they can catch you, where they can follow you, where they can keep up to date with what's going on with you? It's pretty simple. It's DJ TLM everywhere. It's DJ TLM TV on YouTube. Nice. So, You'll find me. <laughs> nice. I'll, I'll come to ADE, Amsterdam. He's always here. I'm going to be here anyway. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, so thanks again. Um, you know, hopefully we can catch up again, maybe even before next ADE, but we'll see what happens. So yeah, um, remember anyone that's listening, watching, make sure you give us a rating on iTunes if you're listening there. It helps, you know, it helps boost the podcast. And good ratings, good ratings. Good ratings. Give us a good rating. <laughs> an honest rating. No, give us an honest rating. Um, and yeah if you watched on YouTube thumbs up subscribe do all that good stuff and we'll see you or you'll hear us again in another podcast very soon peace out